You want it. You need it. It's what everyone's talking about. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Now, here's Kevin. I hope you enjoyed the needles in Tommy's eyes story from yesterday um, that he told. That's going to be lovely uh, and pleasant. I can't remember the last time I got more feedback on cringe-worthy moments on the podcast or the radio show I did with Tommy. Uh, but uh, I, I can appreciate that because um, I found it to be an unpleasant conversation <laughs> as well. Guess who's with us today? Aaron is joining us on the show by phone. He's still not back in the studio, and we're going to get to all of that here in a moment. I don't know <laughs> if you listened to the show yesterday and you even know what I'm talking about, but Tommy's getting... Um, some retina surgery where he's going to have to take needles to his eyes here over the five times coming up. And I, I'm not sure I can handle needles. I've never been a, I've never had a problem with needles, but a needle to, to the eye was one of those, Oh God, don't talk anymore. Um, moments yesterday. And I swear to you, Aaron, at least a dozen people, um, on Twitter, because I looked at Twitter last night afterwards, after uh, uh, late last night. Oh my God, I had to turn it off. Neil and Rockville said, in all of the years of listening to <laughs> Sheehan and Lavero together, that was the closest I've ever come to turning it off. Um, yeah, yeah we, I'm not a needle guy, so uh, yeah, was was not a big fan of that conversation. And, and at the same time, people uh, really appreciated me describing my COVID-19 test because those that hadn't gotten one were concerned about how how uncomfortable it was. And I shared with them that it wasn't uncomfortable at all. So I'm glad to have been of service there. Now, did you go have a COVID-19 test recently? I thought you said that you, th- you your wife was either going to get one or both of you were going to get one because maybe she was exposed. Yeah, so my, my wife is uh, currently showing some symptoms, so we have her quarantined in the bedroom right now, which of course means I've been sleeping on the couch for the past few days. I'm waiting on her test to come back, and then I'm going to, if she's positive, I'll go get mine, but I've pretty much quarantined myself for now uh, are, over the past couple of days. What are her symptoms, if I may ask? Uh, she had bad cough, some chest tightness, a fever. So not okay. 100%. And, and she's been out at work and seeing clients and stuff. So she's a little worried she could have been exposed despite the fact that they've been, uh, you know, as careful as they can, but not. Obviously, at some point, there is risk involved. So she, we're hoping we're, she's going to get it back today. And then if she tests positive, I'll be going and getting tested. Do you have any symptoms? No, I'm perfectly fine right now. I've been staying away from her. I've been uh, just kind of crashing on the couch all day and not doing anything else. So I've been fine, which is why I haven't rushed out to take the test yet. Um, did she tell you that the test was – did she get the nasal swab test? I think, yeah, she got the nasal swab test. She said it wasn't that bad. Yeah, it wasn't bad at all. I mean, it was actually – I mean, there was nothing for me anyway. I, I Several people told me that they've given the test to themselves. Apparently you can do that as well. That's not how mine went. I had a doctor – you know, take these long things and stick them up each nostril, but it really was not uncomfortable um, at all. I didn't, I, you know, I was, I had heard about it and I was wondering if it would be, um, but they said it was so quick that it wasn't really going to matter anyway. And it was pretty quick. Um, I went, Aaron, because I, I, we haven't talked 
um, other than we, we text back and forth a lot, um, if people are yeah. wondering over the last couple of months um, every day. But um, I, uh, I went because my youngest son, uh, his, one of his really close friends tested positive, and a couple of other people in their group of friends have tested positive. So he, we all got tested. We'll get the results back, I guess. They said between three and five days. So we got, had the t- test two days ago. So we should be getting something back tomorrow at the, at the earliest, but I actually feel fine. Um, so I, I, I think everything will be fine. Um, so how have you been? <laughs> you know, bored, really, really bored, but you know, I've been keeping busy however I can. I've been binging TV shows. I've been catching up on reading, which is nice. I basically, over the winter, I stopped reading, which is something I love to do. So, gotten a lot of reading done, but uh, really, really hoping sports comes back, despite the fact that it's looking more and more like, yeah, that could be in question. What what shows have you been binge-watching, and what have you read recently? Okay, so uh, me and the wife over the past month binged all of Parks and Recreation, which I thought you've watched that before. I, I had watched, I never watched it straight through. I had watched, you know, reruns would come on, so I had seen probably half the episodes or so, but I had never sat down and watched it straight through like that. And how many, awesome. how many seasons of Parks and Rec? Seven seasons. Is it, I mean, I've watched shows here and there. I'm not really familiar with the show. I'm obviously familiar with several of the people in it, and I know that this was a Greg Daniels uh, production, mm-hmm. right? Because Greg Daniels... Greg Daniels and several of the writing staff from The Office did jump over to Parks and Rec, and it is very much... You can see it being... You see it laid out very similarly to The Office. You would love it. It is... You know, it's hard to say it's as good as The Office. The Office is wonderful, and there's nobody as good as Steve Carell on Parks and Rec, but the depth of the cast, the depth of the characters... I would argue might even be better than the office's depth, the full cast going. Um, it's just tremendous. And of course, it starts slow, just like almost any comedy does. But by the time it gets to season three, it's, the, the peaks are every bit as good as the peaks on the office. I know Amy Poehler's in it, and I'm a big Amy Poehler fan. And I know Rashida Jones, who was in the office, mm-hmm. is in it. And I think Rob Lowe, those are the three people yep. that I know of. Who else is in it that I would know? Um, Nick Offerman is probably the second lead. You'd be the Dwight, <laughs> if you will. Okay. Uh, he's phenomenal in it. Uh, Aziz Ansari, isn't it? That's really one of his breaks. Uh, Aubrey Plaza. Oh, she's hysterical. She's a man, and she's incredible in it. And of course, uh, Chris Pratt. Oh, okay. Chris Pratt's in it. I didn't know that. Yeah. I actually didn't know that Chris Pratt was in it. Aubrey Plaza's the one who's got this incredibly dry sense of humor. I've seen her on talk and, shows and, before. And stems from this like her character is pure sarcasm it's amazing she's from um she's from delaware like uh, i've heard her on talk shows whether it was fallon or kimmel or um or others talk about uh going to dewey beach all the time down in delaware okay didn't know that but yeah um she was also in that movie with De Niro. I forget what the name of that movie was. I saw it, and I didn't think it was very good. Um, I'm blanking on the name of that movie. Yeah, uh, I'm not sure that one. I know she was in she, – she's been a bunch of comedy. She was in the, uh, what, Mike and Dave Need Wedding Dates with Anna Kendrick and a few others. All right, so uh, let me just add that. God, seven seasons, <laughs> so I don't know if I'm going to do it. 
Well, two, two to be two of them are like the first season's a six episode season, or I don't know if it's if it's short, and then the last season's a half season as well. But and, it's worth it. And but but you still think that the office is better? I would say I would put the office higher, but this this is close. It okay. really is. It's really really good. All right. What else? What else have you binge watched? Anything else? Oh, uh, you'll laugh at this one, but I've been meaning for a while. You know, you know I'm into Star Wars, and they oh came out with the Star Nerd. Wars cartoons. I'm yep, kidding. absolutely. I'm not, I have no problem admitting it. I watched the Star Wars cartoons, which, again, were really good, a lot better than I expected them to be. Um, been just kind of catching up on movies lately. I watched Casino for the first time uh, last week. I'd never watched Casino. You mean the De Niro Pesci? Uh, yeah. That, that, that Casino? Because exactly. there's been a, for whatever reason I had never watched it. You know, it's funny that's that's Scorsese too, um, and that yep. Sh- Sharon Stone is in it, and she's mm-hmm. phenomenal in that movie. It was on recently, um, and I think I watched like the last hour and a half. I've probably seen the movie fifteen times at least. Not Goodfellas to me is still way ahead of oh, Casino of um, by miles, but. Um, Sharon Stone is phenomenal uh, in it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, it. It really, really gets brutally violent, you know, at times, certainly towards yeah. the end in particular, uh, because really Pesci and his brother, th- that scene of them getting whacked is one of the worst scenes you can oh, ever yeah. imagine. Um, but it's funny because, you know, uh, when it comes to to the mob movies, the mafia movies, People like to rank them, and I see Casino all the time ranked really high, and I just don't think it is. I, I thought it was a good movie, um, but I, I just Goodfellas and the God and well, Godfather, Goodfellas, whatever order you want to put them in, um, is one, two, and then there are many steps after that to get to the next. Like, uh, like I'll tell you what's been on TV a lot recently. And is one of my all-time favorite movies is Donnie Brasco. Like Donnie Brasco okay. is better than Casino. Have, did, have you have you seen Donnie Brasco? I have not seen Donnie oh, Brasco. Oh, Aaron, Donnie yeah, Brasco right. is Johnny Depp um, in, in in Pacino. It is so good. I think yeah. that's one of the best mob movies of all time. Um, a lot of people like uh, like I'm trying to think of of. We're, the we're, Departed would. would I think be The Departed is good, but I never loved it as much as some of my friends did. I think a Bronx I Tale it. is I, I phenomenal. Was, Bronx Tale is good. I mean, the, the thing about The Departed is that it, you know it's a Scorsese movie for my generation, basically. That's fair. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean that that's true. Even though obviously you've got Nicholson and uh, and and some older people in the movie. You know, Al, uh, Martin Sheen's in that movie. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, but, a, but it's but it's Damon and, and DiCaprio. DiCaprio. Yeah, yeah. Damon, and, and it, it's got a, you know, it looks a little bit sleeker. It does those things. It's definitely not you know the top tier level, but obviously you know, for people again, I, I saw it in college. I remember go, you know going out to Silver, driving from College Park to Silver Spring to see it, and uh, you know it was for. Some people, I want to say, at least definitely their first in theater Scorsese experience of my age. Uh, what the, the Departed was. Yeah. God, what year was The Departed? That was 2006. Oh, it's, it's, it's that long ago? I would have guessed that it yeah. would have been the last 10 years. It's no, it was 2006 or 2007. Well, I mean, Donnie Brasco's probably late 90s, early 2000s, somewhere around there. And I'm telling you, if you haven't seen it, um, it's an absolute uh, must. Absolute must.
yeah um in that in that genre i mean i always liked to me it's 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 godfather goodfellas godfather too put them in whatever order you want to put them in right and then, and then we can get to the next level of movies i i i, I liked casino um i never loved it it was definitely the the attempt to follow up on goodfellas um but i never I thought mean, it the, reached the, that level the idea of Vegas is almost a, a character. Old school Vegas as a character is is good. <laughs> you know, it, it adds something to it. But yeah, it does. Yeah. And you you know, whenever you see these movies, and especially when you go to the old, you know, the old Vegas, you know, nineteen seventies yeah. Vegas. And in fact, you know, um, uh, Ace Rothstein's hotel is modeled. Tommy might know this. And I'm guessing here, but I think it was modeled after a hotel that was mob run. May have been the Stardust. It was the Stardust, and, and I'm go- one of the things that did- uh, that sparked me to watch Casino was that I one of the books I read was a book from one of the you know longtime uh, bookmakers in Vegas, Chris Andrews, who actually ran the Stardust after all of this happened. Well, the star the Stardust was mob run. I mean, oh, look, yeah. a lot, most of those hotels were, yeah. but there was a big issue with that particular hotel. My father's told me the story um, mm-hmm. before. I want to say that it had to do with like unions and and stuff like that. But um, so that was the hotel that it would that that Rothstein's hotel yeah, was modeled. Star, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, well, t- I think Ace Rothstein is one of Tommy's favorite movie characters, too, because he refers to him all the time. Because he basically refers to Ted Leonsis as, you yeah, know, it's, um, a- you know well, Ace, Ace Leonsis. Ace Rothstein is uh, Lefty Rosenthal. Yeah, exactly. He was a longtime right. Vegas mobster. Uh, any other shows, movies? Just put Donnie Brasco on your list, and, and the next time we, we, we get together, you'll tell me thank you. Um, <laughs> I will definitely put it on my list. What uh, else? I'm trying to think other shows and movies I've watched. Like I said, I've been doing a lot of reading. I read a couple of Vegas books. I've been getting into kind of old school Vegas. So I read this Chris Andrews book and a few others. I've also been reading. Um, again, you're going to call me a nerd for this. But in this case, I'm going to say that I haven't watched the show of it. There is a show of it. But people are comparing it to a sci-fi Game of Thrones. It's called The Expanse, which is basically... Uh, takes place, they, they don't ever say a year, but probably 200 years into the future. Man has colonized the stars, and basically the reason they compare it to Game of Thrones, it's different factions of the world. So you got, like, the people representing Earth and Mars and the belts, the, the asteroid belt, and kind of the outer, all just kind of fighting over territory and so, making alliances and stuff. Uh-huh. Okay. I did. So it, it, it doesn't so sound they, like it's like it's for me, am I right? Maybe not, but again, there it, it, it's one of those situations where it's, it's a sci-fi book, but only because of where it takes place. Okay. It's really a character drama. Okay, well, I mean, if it's a character like, drama, I'll, I'd be into it. You yeah, know, you, I haven't watched the show yet. The show's on Amazon Prime, but I've been reading the series, so. You know when you started talking about this stuff and I just yelled out nerd, you know what, you know what that's from, right? There's plenty of things that it's from. I mean, yeah, but but <laughs> there, there, it, a one word from one of our favorite characters of all time to one Dwight Trute when Michael says, "Oh yeah, when Michael, yeah." It's the basketball episode when he's picking yeah. the teams and 
and he and he says something about a character from one of Dwight's, you know, it may have been Lord of the Rings or something like that, and Dwight gives yeah. the character name, and Michael just goes, nerd, nerd. that's why you're not yep. on the team. That's why you're, you haven't been picked for the team. Yep. The basketball episode, one of the greatest ever, especially when he picks Stanley and says, of course, Stanley. And Stanley goes, why, of course? <laughs> why, of course? And then, and then he dribbles. <laughs> Stanley's dribbling with one hand behind his back and oh, one hand on, on the ball. you kidding me. <laughs> and, and Michael goes, oh, you got to be kidding me. And, of course, Phyllis and, and Kevin would have been the, the two best players other than Jim on the team. Um, yeah. What yeah, a, I've been listening to those podcasts. I've been listening to uh, the Office podcast, oh, kind of uh, Fisher and Angela Kinsey, and I've been also listening to the Scrubs podcast with uh, Zach Braff and Donald Faison. Yeah, I never listen. I never, wa- I never watched that. I, I've listened. Here's the problem with the um, the Office podcast called Office Ladies, and it's Jenna Fisher and Angela Kinsey who played Pam and Angela on the Office. For for those of you that are fans. Um, they, they are doing a rewatch of the entire series and they just got to like the beginning of season three, somewhere around there. And I, and I will, you know, if I'm on like a long walk with the dog, I'm usually listening to music, but I occasionally I'll listen to those. Here's the problem I have with the podcast and I love both of them. Don't get me wrong. It's just too girly at times. (laughs) You know, there's too much talk, and I'm not, it's not criticism like there isn't an audience for it. For me, there's just too much talk about, you know, hairstyles and what everybody was wearing. And I just want to hear the backstories of, you know, the different scenes and how it was shot and where it was shot and why it was shot this way. And, you know, uh, and a lot of the relationship stuff between the people, you know, the cast members. I don't know if you do you feel the same way or not? Um, you know, I guess uh, it can get it. I, I like the fact that it does delve so much into it. I, I do think it. A, a, Occasionally goes too much into the, was this improv? No, it wasn't improv. It was written. Was this scene improv? No, this wasn't improv. Was this a, well, this line was improv. Like, I don't that gets a little old, too. But are you saying yeah, that, that, that? I agree. That, yeah. That's the part to me that gets annoying. The, the hair and stuff, I can just, you know, kind of breeze past. And when they get people on, like they had for the season two finale, they had uh, John Krasinski on. And having him tell all the stories that was that was awesome. awesome. I listened to that that pod. I, I listened to that show, and there, um, they had um, uh, they had Rain Wilson. They've already they've had almost everybody on except for Steve Carell. Yeah, they've had. I'm trying to see. They haven't had. They said they're going to. They're going to have um, Karen on. You know, they get get the season three people on as they're introduced. So I I think it is. It, it may be at one point it was the number two podcast behind like Joe Rogan, right? It's possible. I, I hadn't seen that. I know it was very high up there. It, and same with the Scrubs one. I'm watching. It's amazing how everyone's just getting into rewatch podcasts now, the most popular thing on the planet. And I get it though. I'm sitting around the house. They have nothing to do. Oh for my god! For a podcast like that of of one of the all time popular sitcoms. And to have the two of them who are best friends, which is so ironic because they they were not on the show. I just actually yeah. pulled up the, the where they are, um, and they just released Diwali today. And Mindy okay. K- Mindy Kaling's a guest on this particular show. Oh, that should be great. And I think she's awesome. Yeah, 
I mean, she, in fact, out of all of them other than Steve Carell, she's probably the one that's had the best career. You can make a case for John Krasinski between, you know, Jack Ryan and his directing. I didn't. I she, haven't seen any of those movies, The Quiet Place I haven't, or whatever. I haven't either. Yeah, I haven't seen them either, but they're very successful, and he's a, you know, desired director. But, yeah, it's not, it's, you could definitely make the case for Mindy. Yeah, she's she's been really, I mean, she's been prolific in terms of producing well, I guess and writing. Ed Helms. I'm sorry? Ed Helms. Well, true. That's, you know, obviously the, the all the movies. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's probably right. It's probably Carell, Helms, and, and Mindy Kaling out of all of them. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, maybe these, these two, um, Angela and Jenna with this podcast, will end up because they've got a massive, massive audience uh, on that podcast. And, and, and you can tell by the number of advertisers, and I guarantee you they're paying – Big money. Um, Aaron is joining us. Speaking of advertisers, real quickly, let me tell you about Hydrant. Uh, if you are um, really looking to keep yourself hydrated in a very easy way, and you can get dehydrated very easily, especially during the summer months, I want you to consider Hydrant. Top performers in business and sports, you know, they, they, they look to stay hydrated and hydrant is a way to stay hydrated and stay healthy because 75% of us are walking around everyday life chronically dehydrated. We're suffering needlessly from frequent headaches, energy slumps, and poor focus. It doesn't have to be that way. Hydrant creates flavored electrolyte packets you mix directly into your water to make hydrating your body easy and delicious. Each rapid hydration mix has the four essential electrolytes that your body needs. Sodium, potassium, magnesium, and zinc help you hydrate quickly and stay hydrated all day long. There's no synthetic coloring. There are no artificial sweeteners. The formula is vegan, and you can choose between three different flavors or a variety pack. It starts at a buck a packet for a 30-day supply. You can save even more with a monthly subscription. And for 25% off your first order, go to drinkhydrant.com slash Sheehan S-H-E-E-H-A-N that's drinkhydrant hydrant spelled H-Y-D-R-A-N-T dot com slash Sheehan S-H-E-E-H-A-N for 25% off your first order so I'm going to read to you um, as Aaron is joining us here on the podcast today, I'm going to read this story that was on CBSSports.com last night, written by Dennis Dodd. It's about college football, and there's. Uh, have you seen this story yet? Just out of curiosity, do you know, do you know the story? Uh, I'm, going to read I'm not. To you? I'm not sure. This is. I've seen a bunch of stuff this morning about various college football things. So let's hear which one this is. So a noted University of Illinois professor um, and doctor, um, Dr. Sheldon Jacobson, tells Dennis Dodd at CBSSports.com that he expects a 30 to 50 percent infection rate of the approximately 13,000 players that will compete in FBS Division I college football this season. Based on his research, he also projects three to seven deaths among those players due to COVID-19. The quote is, a few of them could end up in the hospital and you'll have a small number who could die. I don't want to sugarcoat it for you. I just want to give you the facts. If everybody comes together under normal circumstances, we'll probably see 
that kind of outcome. Now, he basically made these projections. I mean, this is a grim report. This is as grim as it gets, and this is the first time we've heard this about any of the sports that are attempting to either start or resume and then projected forward you know, to football season about deaths. And it's, it's what Tommy and I have been talking about, and that is Rudy Gobert's positive test shut down all of sports instantaneously. Mm-hmm. That's, of course, at this point, not going to shut down sports. I mean, they're expecting positive tests and probably a lot of infections and positive tests. And, you know, it could threaten the integrity of some teams and games, and we'll just have to see how that goes. But the Rudy Gobert analogy moving forward is the first player that gets seriously ill and or worse dies. That will shut down sports again. It's only going to take one player in any of these sports to be on a ventilator fighting for his life. You know, God God forbid it happens, and no one wants it to happen. But if it happens one time in any of these sports, that's going to be a Rudy Gobert moment. And this report is grim. Who knows whether or not this guy will be right. You know, the death rate continues to fall as the infection cases continue to increase. Whether this is part of wave one or wave two, who the hell really knows? Because there's clearly differing opinion on all of that. But it does, you know, bring you to this reality that if you weren't there already, that the resumption of sports or the starting of certain sports um, comes with, you know, at this point, every bit of a 50-50 probability you would think that it won't finish. Yeah, I mean, I've kind of been working under that assumption, especially for the past few weeks. Um, And, you know, just straight numbers, if you're looking at it, that's kind of what, you know, I've never heard it in a report like that, but people on Twitter, people wherever, have been saying, look, you're putting all these people, and all it takes is one, the odds are that, yes, something bad is going to happen. And you combine it with, particularly for college football, the fact that all of these university presidents are like, well, we're actually not planning on opening on time, or if things stay the same, we're not planning on time. I'm looking at uh, Malik Hausman from Arizona, who tweeted last night. The University of Arizona's president said that if conditions stay the same, the University of Arizona would not open to students on time. And, and Malik Hausman, who plays for Arizona, is like, okay, well, why are we on campus then? You're going to get more of that, too. You're going to get more players really speaking out and saying, okay, if this is too dangerous for students to come on campus, why is the football team on campus? Why are we playing? There's no and, doubt. No no doubt that they're the yeah. players, as Tommy's been predicting, it's going to be the players that start to push back on a lot of this. And if somebody gets sick, well, then they're definitely going to push back if the sport makes an effort to continue forward, even if somebody gets seriously ill. And I do think it will take that one lightning rod moment, whether it's a severe illness, whether it's a death. Like, there will be a lightning rod moment, and that could end up being the Rudy Gobert moment. Because I think these players, you know, they're not locking stuff with this. They definitely feel uneasy about it, and they just need a reason to point at something to say, this is stupid, We, we can't do this anymore. There's another part of this, too, and it's just going to be, you know, um, the true enthusiasm that these players have. Like, I'm thinking more about the NBA, the NHL, and baseball. Um, There's clearly, as we've seen players opt out, where they've had the opportunity to opt out. 
um, there's there's less enthusiasm as the reality of coming back and in the NBA's case being you know in a hub city where they'll have few freedoms like they have now um, and what that will look like as a consumer product because I I think that there's a chance that I'm gonna tune into the NBA when it starts and I'm gonna be like this sucks you know mm-hmm. no crowds it looks different the the urgency is different. Um, and then Adam Silver added this to the mix today. I don't know if you saw this, but Adam Silver, the commissioner of the NBA, said that the NBA may need to run these games on tape delay because of the bad language that will be used <laughs> from players during the games. Now, the only reason that this league is going to make an attempt to play and finish their season and get through a postseason is for the TV money. Sure. If you tape delay these games and people know the results, nobody's watching it. I mean, when when he's talking about tape delay, he just he just means like a you know maybe an extra delay, like a two minute delay. I assume. I don't have well, to. Be. Oh, I, I, I mean, you, may, can't, you can't mean like the Olympics tape delay where it's twelve hours late. I just read the headline. You might be right. That makes total sense. I think they'd be better off just piping in some crowd noise. Sure, pipe in crowd noise, and you know what? You're on cable. If it gets through, it gets through. It's happened before. Like, Is that what they're talking about? Because you, you, you may have clari- clarified it for me. If, I, if they're talking I, I don't by... know. I hadn't, I hadn't seen that before. I'm assuming that it has to be just an extra delay in there, like instead of the typical 30-second delay. Well, why would he even mention delay. it? Why would it be a headline then? Because people that are watching wouldn't even know if, we, if you're talking about a minute delay instead of, you know, or 30-second delay instead of a 7-second delay. Yeah, I mean, I'd have to see exactly uh, what everything is. Uh, Here's the story. Um, Tape delay was once the ugliest word in basketball. When the NBA Finals were tape delayed prior to the league's explosion in popularity in in the 1980s, it was a sign of disinterest from fans and corporate sponsors. Just as a quick um, FYI for those that don't know, um, the last time the NBA Finals were actually shown on tape delay was 1980, Magic Johnson's rookie year, when they beat the 76ers, when he had that famous 42-point game playing center for Kareem Abdul-Jabbar in Game 6 in the Spectrum, which clinched it. That game was shown on tape delay. right? It was not shown live. Um, Adam Silver uh, explained in a Time 100 interview, bad language is a real concern for us in these games at Disney. Quote, I think think often players, they understand when they're on the floor, they're saying certain things to each other because it's so loud in the arena. They know a lot of it is not being picked up. They may have to adapt their language a little bit, knowing what they will say will likely be picked up by microphones. And in all seriousness, we may need to put in, okay, here it is, a little bit of a delay. All right. Okay, so that sounds like a three-minute delay or something like that, or, you know, a little bit of an extra delay in there. Yeah, maybe we well, let's who knows? Maybe we can get live reports uh via Twitter and go in-game bet with a 3-minute lead. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> I don't, of course they 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 probably get it before the tweet. They'll be getting the info before the tweet. But. Yeah. Um there was a story, I don't know if you read this out of Vegas this weekend about some of the KBO, uh, some of the Korean baseball oh, yeah, well, games. There was there was the uh, situation in MGM where they there was a glitch that 
they they put in the wrong start time, so people were betting like into the sixth inning of a game as if it was a live of pregame line. Yeah, they had the wrong start times. So between one yeah. thirty a.m. and three a.m. Sunday morning Pacific time. So just understand these casinos are you know they're open you know twenty four seven, and you can go in and bet at any at any time. Um, but there, there was the, the games were already an hour, hour and a half old, and they were being posted as start times coming up, and people took advantage of it to the tune of maybe a quarter of a million dollars in total, you know, impact. Um, there is uh, the, the, there was one particular game. The over under in the game was nine and a half, and there were seven runs in the first two innings, and the game was still showing yeah. that it hadn't gone yet. Man, I would have loved to have had that opportunity. I actually um, was with a group of, of friends. Well, they might have to pay it back, though. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I think that the liability is on the casino in that in that uh, situation. I, know, I, they, there's a question. They, they're going. There's going to be a grievance involved with it. They're going to see what happens. Sometimes they can say that if you knowingly make a bet under false pretenses, like that's an illegal bet. Yeah. Now, can you? How can you can prove you it? And, exactly. How can you prove it? You don't know, but. That's what they're going to claim is that they they made the bets under false pretenses. Friend of mine told me um, that he's been betting soccer um, for the last month, and that the COVID nineteen tests, which are not disclosed typically um, in advance of the game, sometimes the information comes right as the game is about to start. I don't know this for 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 a fact because I'm not watching these games, but he told me specifically about a game a week ago where um, the team that was favored as a minus 115 favorite, so a, a very slight favorite in a, in a soccer match, that on a particular blog um, that he follows or Twitter account that he follows, uh, they came out with the news that three players on that particular te- t- uh, team were out because they tested positive. They were really good players. He immediately fired in on the other team and it was still at like, you know, plus 110 or whatever it was mm-hmm. to bet the underdog. And he said the final score of the, the, the team that, that uh, he bet on, they won the game. This is soccer, 9-1. to one. I mean, that, that, is, that is a once in soccer. That's like the equivalent of a football game, that, that a college football game that goes 77-7. to seven. It's yeah. it, that's essentially the nine to one. You they don't score nine goals in four games sometimes, let alone one. Um, that's the other thing, real quickly about soccer. It's been working what they've been doing over there. Yeah, they've been getting these. You know, the, the this English Premier League, the Italian, you know, Series A league, La Liga. They've been playing these these games. They've been getting them in without spectators and players are testing positive. But I guess no one's gotten sick yet. No one's gotten sick yet. I mean, it is obviously, uh, you know, a lot lower cases there. They're not nearly as, as severe on the outside, you know, of the sports bubble as the U.S. is right now. So True. that's kind of the one big thing. But, yeah, I mean, it, it's shown that if you do it carefully and everything works around it, you can. I think, I mean, the, the obvious difference when it comes to college football is just there's so many more players involved. Aaron is joining us on the podcast today. You guys haven't heard from Aaron in a while. Um, I made yeah, the decision before the NFL draft. Yeah, I made the decision. I guess shortly before the NFL draft, I just said, you know what? Because we were in here through the month of March and through much of April, right? 
I think it was the beginning of April, but yeah. Through the beginning of April. And the truth is, and we said, you know, we're, we're roughly six feet apart, but it was barely six feet apart. This is a small studio. And yeah. I just, you know, at the time, I just thought it was best for Aaron and best for me, especially since we were both sort of out and about. Like, you know, I was working, you know, you're younger and you, you didn't quarantine yourself completely during that period, right? Not compl- I've been pretty good about quarantine. I've, you know, I've been going out, getting groceries, getting food. But over, for the most part, I've just kind of tried to stay inside. So what have you missed the most about not being in studio with me every day? <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> oh, de- definitely. You know, well, clearly talking to you every day. But uh, honestly, getting to rant about various things that pop up from time to time. I would have loved to be on uh, when DC rolled out the gambling and been on that show. Oh, God. I, yeah, going nuts I, on, how embarrassing. Nuts on Twitter. You and I both totally predict that. What's it called? DC Game Better, Game Better something like that? What's the site? Yeah, it's ter- it's terrible. Intralot is the company, and I think it's Gam- like DC Gambit or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, it's really, really bad. And I, I'm not going to say it's worse than what I expected because I had a pretty low bar. But Well, we, both, God, pred- we both predicted how costly it was going to be. Yeah, but I thought they would at least try to mitigate that. So, like, it would be really costly on the game line. Actually, I thought it would be 115. I didn't think they'd go up to 118. They went up to what do you mean? It's they're they're up at like minus one thirty three on some of these week one NFL games. I looked at yeah, it like I'm last just, week. I'm just, talking about, I'm just talking about the straight line. It's it's one eighteen on either side. So right now, yeah, right right now, um, you have uh, week one games where several of the games are minus one eighteen on any loss on either side. But as an example, right now, if you bet the Colts and lay six and a half, I mean, it's a, it's a key number, all right? I'm, I'm yeah. sure at minus seven, we'd get minus 118. But at minus six and a half, you're laying minus 133. Like, so I mean, there is, um, for those someone of you... Went through a, someone went through a NASCAR one, which is obviously not the pure line. Uh-huh. And it was something like 80% undervalue for a standard uh, bet. Just like going down the list. It's... Well, Unbelievable. The um, for those that aren't following along, I'll make it really easy for you. Um, football's the easiest way to understand it. If if you bet typically through you know a well priced outfit, whether that's your local book or a really good offshore shop, um, you're going to pay on a hundred dollar loss. You're going to pay one hundred and ten dollars if you lose. You win a hundred dollars if you win. In, in on this DC lottery, the the legalization of sports betting in the District of Columbia is now available. Obviously, you can't bet football now. You can't bet baseball or basketball, but they've got soccer. And as Aaron just mentioned, you can bet NASCAR, um, and you probably can bet some cricket if you want to bet some cricket um, from uh, wherever it's it's played. But if you lose on the NFL side, instead of losing on average 110, you're going to lose somewhere between 118 and 125 dollars. So that is, you know, you may say, oh, whatever, it's eight bucks here or it's 15 bucks there. But for people that bet more than $100, it adds up. And you you don't have to pay that. And it's all part and parcel to what I have always felt. Number one, it was going to be very costly to do. Number two, um, this is going to appeal 
to people more likely than not that really haven't wagered before. And so there's going to be a bit of a naivete and an an excitement that they actually have an outlet to wager on, and they're going to be unsuspecting on how expensive it is to them and how easy it would be to find another place that's much, you know, much more fair um, in terms of, of the prices. Uh, I guarantee you, like, I, I, I mean, I, I really would bet that people like Ted and all of his people don't even know the difference. You know, I can't think of At least he partnered with a, a more reputable company. He's, he's going through William Hill for the casino True. at uh, Capital One Arena. So maybe he does know a, a little better. But between the fact that they actually rolled this site out, which also, by the way, looks terrible. It's just an ugly-looking site. Terrible and, and then when faced with criticism, did you see their statement? It was the most outrageous thing I'd ever seen. No, I didn't. It was, it was, <laughs> we're not, you know, we're not operating like a casino sports book because we want to bring money to the city of D.C. So that's why we're not putting, uh, and then they said something like, well, we're providing, you know, equitable lines and extra juice to make more money. And the person, like, Oh, oh, because we want to make more of a profit. And my, my three points were, one, so you, you don't think casino sports books are making a profit here, for one. Two, you're not doing equitable lines, you're not making fair lines, and you're not doing anything interesting, so you're not going to make more of a profit. It was just like the most outrageous. Do me, do me a favor and send me that if you, if you can find that. Um, text me that statement yeah. because that, that's um, – that's something that I'd want to throw into the show tomorrow, maybe with Tommy, certainly on the radio show. That's that's unbelievable, but it speaks to like just the um, the not understanding how all of this works. I mean, first of all, you and I have said it many times before. Until there's an ability to offer credit, it's never going to be a massive thing in a lot of places. I mean, where you have unbelievable population and you know predisposition to sports fans and gambling you know jersey new york you know philly you're you're going to do just fine but in places where they really think they're going to knock the cover off the ball they haven't so far in part because these are smaller betters um and if you don't offer credit you know it's 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 harder for people to pull the trigger um, consistently, but send me that. I have, the, I have the exact quote here. Okay, Our hold is higher because our mission is to return profit to the district, a D.C. lottery spokeswoman said in an email. Gambit D.C. aims at maximizing revenue for the district while still providing competitive pricing and entertainment value to casual sports bettors. Oh it, it does God. none of those things. Like, First of all, the, the premise is wrong. Well, yeah, translation, translation, we're, we're telling you we're going to rip you off, but it's going to be great for the city you live in. We're, we're, we're going, we're going, they're telling you, we're providing an inferior product to everybody else, but somehow we're going to make more money than they are. Well, they, they, right? that's misguided because the, although the inferior product and the pricing that we've talked about, I'm telling you, a lot of these people that are betting these sites aren't going to know the difference. So you sure, shouldn't and, even, and you shouldn't even tell them, you shouldn't even tell them. But that's the thing is like they're they're going to attract the people who want to put twenty need, bucks down one one twenty dollar bet every three weeks. I need to get that Good person. I need to money. get that person on the show. Who is that person? I, I tried. I, I don't. It just said a spokesperson. But uh, when when they rolled out, I did try to get somebody on. It was not successful as of yet. Okay. But 
I, I think, and I think they shut things down after the initial, or at least public relations-wise, after the initial release. And, I mean, look, Virginia might be right around there. They look like they're setting up. So if Virginia or Maryland legalizes soon, they're dead. In the, I mean, what D.C. needs to do is they just need to open it up, let draft teams, let FanDuel come in, have their apps, you know, tax the hell out of them if you want, but because uh, they know what they're doing. And clearly, yeah. Interlot doesn't. Yeah. Um, what what have you missed most sports wise during the last four plus months? I mean, obviously March Madness yeah. killed me to see go, but like, I can't tell you how many times I've walked outside, especially last month, nice day, and I would have killed to go to a baseball game. I love just you know I, I go to minor league games. I just love going out and going to a baseball game, and the fact that we haven't been able to and we've been stuck in the house has really killed me over the past really six weeks. Aaron's such an old soul, people. I mean, he's a young, young man who's, you know, coming up in the world and, you know, is married and he's working multiple jobs and he loves to go to the slow, easy-paced baseball games and sit by himself at a minor league baseball game. (laughs) Not God, no, I, I did, God <laughs> love you. Um, That's right. Uh, is Turgeon getting anybody? Like who? who we. No, I, no, I, it, it's a lost season this year. I mean, assuming there's even a season played this year, just feels like a lost season to me. There really looks like at this point they've struck out on everybody when it comes to the transfer market, and they're just putting in all their effort into recruiting for the next couple classes. I disagree with you. I, I, I don't disagree with you on the, the factual part of what you said, which is they missed out on everybody, and he did, and that's a shame because he, they've got some scholarships and they've, they had some transfer, big-time transfer opportunities. You know, they got the guy from, um, from Virginia Tech, right, but is he even yeah. eligible? We don't even know if he's eligible uh, for this right. year. But I think that what they have coming back is still intriguing. I don't think they're going to suck. They're not going to get a big-time preseason, you know, uh, pub. They're, they, uh, in fact, Lenardi doesn't have that. He yeah, doesn't, even ha- doesn't have him in the tournament. Yeah, he doesn't even have him in the field. I mean, that's the first time I don't think – it's, it's been a while since they haven't been in the field preseason in Lenardi's, you know, bracketology. But they have some players. You know, Ayala, Marcel, Dante Scott – um, and Aaron Wiggins, you know, and I, I'm excited to see what Joel Mariel could be next year. I am. I think he could be at the very least a major factor defensively as a shot blocker. But they have some talent. I mean, Ayala, Morcel, Dante Scott, and Wiggins, that's a, that's a veteran club with all of those players having a chance if they take the next step and they get to, they're even better coming back. Maryland's got a decent team. A decent team, but, you know, we're talking about maybe middle of the pack of the Big Ten with a little luck and, you know... I, I think I agree with Lenardi right now. I wouldn't slot him in at the tournament. And you know how it goes. If you're not a tournament team, then it doesn't really matter if you're good and not a tournament team or bad and not a tournament team. You know what's interesting um, is that obviously, you know, these players that have committed to the draft early take Jalen Smith, who I saw a, a mock draft the other day. He was in the top 15. I think it was CBSSports.com. Uh, the, the latest uh, mock draft had him in the top 15. So he. 
you know, that, that time, remember, at one point in the season, we weren't sure if he was a first-round pick or not. Mm. He's, he's clearly going to be a first-round pick, and he's going to be very close to being a lottery pick by the time we get there, which is going to be in October, I think, at this point, whenever the NBA yeah, finals Yeah, I think that's that the October, yeah. But I, I, I'd be curious, you know, given that the NBA season, there's going to be a draft, and then it's going to pretty much start within two months after the draft in terms of the 2020-2021 season. I think that they're looking at like a December start if everything goes well after an October end. I wonder if a guy like Jalen Smith says, maybe, you know, maybe it just – I want to get into a normal year, and I'll, I'm going to come back and play one more year. I, I guess he can't at this point, I, but at this point, anything's in play in terms of rules. Um, yeah, that's the thing. And again, this is all assuming the season actually happens, which, yeah. who knows? Yeah. Um, all right. So, baseball you miss. Obviously, we miss the tournament, and we'll never know what uh, the miss, night- miss gambling. I don't. I don't miss gambling at all. The last wager I placed was probably towards the end of the college basketball season, you know, that early March time frame. And I haven't missed that. I missed the tournament because, you know, you and I as Maryland alums were very excited about this particular team. I think we all, all felt that it was Mark's best team and best chance to make a super deep run into the field. Um, they were playing great. Jalen Smith was blowing up before our very eyes. They had the the veteran, you know, really good point guard, and they had the role players, and you know, they were really, really going to be a threat um, to 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 get to the Final Four or even be beyond that. Who 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 knew? We'll never know. Um, so I I I miss that we didn't get a chance to do that because those are the games you're on your ed- the edge of your seat. But man. I haven't really missed anything else. You know I'm not a big hockey guy, even though I love the playoffs. I love the NBA playoffs, but mm-hmm. I, I, I don't I think it's gonna be really interesting. Um, and it's something that I asked I forget who I had as a guest and whether it was the podcast or the radio show. Um, and I'm forgetting who it was now. Uh, it was it was an executive of a team. It may have been Tommy Shepard. I, I forget the the Wizards GM, but I said, is there any concern in sports that being away for you know a potential long period of time that people may learn that they don't need sports as much as they thought they needed them? And then you add to the equation what we've gone through here as a country in the last month to the whole pandemic and people... You know, people have prioritized things. They have, they, they, you know, they sports to some, not everybody, um, is less important than it was. And you've also simultaneously had the experience of living without it now for, you know, a third of a year. And mm-hmm. you, you, no one in, in there, there isn't one person that's gone at any point in their lives, most of us, without having sports for four plus months. You know, there's the dead period in July, basically, around the All-Star game, and that's it. There's always something to watch. There's always something to follow. And I, I just wonder if these leagues are concerned. I don't think the NFL's concerned. I don't. I, I think the NFL and, and really almost college football are in separate categories because people will miss those things terribly if they aren't there in the mm-hmm. fall. But I'll tell you one thing. I don't hear a lot of people in in my world, you know, that distraught that they can't watch a baseball game tonight or that they missed out on the NBA playoffs 
or you know, NHL I don't think anyone necessarily specifically. I do think there's a, a comfort level. The fact that you can't just, you know, 11 o'clock at night, you're trying, you're thinking about starting to fall asleep, turn on some sports. I think there's a more abstract of that, more than specifically, man, I miss the, the NBA, man, I miss baseball. It's, man, I, it's, you know, I'm trying to wind down what's my, you know, for, at least for me, a lot of times it's from 11 to 12, I'm going to turn on whatever's on TV. And even if it's in the background, just have it on. And not having that has, that, that's been tough. But I do agree with you that as far as the specifics of, you know, losing a, a you know, half of a baseball season, losing the NBA playoffs, you're right that people aren't necessarily specifically missing that. Yeah, it's, um, it's a strange time we are living in. Have you, uh, you know, I know that you're, uh, a lot of the conversations that Aaron and I would have, you know, before the podcast or after the podcast, were very much, you know, sometimes sports uh, related, but sometimes, you know, world event uh, related. So we haven't had those conversations over the last couple of months, but you pay attention to everything. Have you, have you, uh, have you participated in a protest as, or, or been involved in anything? I haven't simply because if I had lived downtown, I probably would have tried to get involved with one of them because I'm out, you know, out here in the suburbs. Um, I haven't really had the opportunity, and I haven't really wanted to leave the house unless I really needed to. Uh, so I haven't, but I've been, you know, talking about it. I've been doing stuff on social media. I've been doing what I can without leaving leaving the house, but I haven't actually gone to a protest now. All right. Um, what else? This was nice to catch you, up on the podcast. What, else, what, what do you What do you have for me? Well, did, I don't think did you talk much about Cam Newton yesterday with Tom? Not as much. I, maybe not at all with Tom. I did on the radio yeah, I don't show. Think you did. Yeah. So, so that was that was, I would say, somewhat predictable. I didn't expect uh, Jared Sim to go in as the undisputed starter. But what were your thoughts? Well, my thoughts are that if Cam Newton's healthy, this could be huge for for Belichick and Josh McDaniels. I, I know that a lot of people think that Cam Newton, you know, has to be and play a certain style of football to be effective. Well, who says that he can't play that way in New England? Josh McDaniels is pretty creative. I think he's an incredible talent. I think he's a good quarterback. Um, I think I, now remember this. I am a Jarrett Stidham fan. I loved him at Auburn. I predicted that somebody would get him in the third or fourth round and that he would be a future starting quarterback in the NFL or certainly had a really good chance to be that. Um, And I think the Patriots like him too. But this is an absolute no-brainer at the salary structure. And I've seen a lot on Twitter and a lot written and talked about in terms of his salary. And, you know, there are white backup quarterbacks that are making a lot more. I mentioned this, I think, maybe not on, on the podcast yesterday, but New England had the least amount of cap space of any team in the league. So... New England had the ability to roll the dice on an injured Cam Newton and give him a base league minimum with a bunch of incentives. Uh, They couldn't fit anything else under their cap. And if it works out, great. And if it doesn't, it's no loss for them. Other teams may have been willing to do that as well, but... Um, you know, the, the, the Patriots couldn't afford anymore. 
than what they offered Cam Newton. So don't look at the Patriots and say, that's a pathetic offer. They should have given him at least backup quarterback money. Well, they couldn't afford backup quarterback money. They had about a million and a half under the cap, which is essentially going to be the league minimum you know, area for somebody yeah. of his uh, 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 what is the, uh, what is the league minimum for him? It's 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 over a million bucks. Yeah, I think it's slightly over a million. I'm not sure exactly where it is, but I think and the thing that thing is we don't know if Cam Newton is healthy. I had said it last year. I think exactly. Said it on the podcast when when uh, Kyle Allen took over, I said I don't think a healthy Cam Newton exists anymore. I still believe that. I could be wrong, and if I am wrong, then yeah, the Patriots just got the steal of the century, and I know someone got snuck in a 300-1 to MVP bet uh, before they were able to move the lines there. Uh, I think it was at that MGM. But, uh, yeah, I don't know that healthy Cam exists, and I don't know how good Cam is if he's not healthy. But it was a no-risk, high-reward move for the Patriots. Worst comes to worst, they're in the exact same situation they were in before, and they have Jared Sidham take over. Best case, you have a former MVP who is now healthy, has your quarterback, and still a AFC has certainly gotten better, but it's still a fairly open division. You know, you think about this particular offseason, and it really was for teams that needed a quarterback and a veteran quarterback. This was the year. Like, very few offseasons offered up what this offseason offered up. Tom Brady, Teddy Bridgewater, Phillip Rivers, um, Nick Foles, um, Cam Newton, Jameis Winston, uh, who am Marcus I forgetting? Marcus Mariota. M- Marcus Mariota. Who I'm, I'm forget. I'm, I think I might be forgetting somebody else in the mix. Um, but there, there were so many opportunities to get somebody who has started before, um, and uh, and the Patriots held out, and they ended up getting the best deal. It's the lowest risk and the highest reward. But to your point. You may be right. I mean, we may never see Cam get the opportunity because he may never be healthy. He looks pretty good in some of the pictures that I've seen. He looks, you know, thin. He looks in shape. I mean, speaking of of in shape, does anybody look more in shape than Dwayne Haskins? Oh and the, the constant pictures and videos that he keeps sending out of himself throwing passes yesterday to McCole Hardman, the the Chiefs receiver. Um, he looks great. Uh, you know, let's hope it means something, but. Um, it, it's it's also when you when you put it in, in Redskins terms, because Ron Rivera did weigh in on Cam and he said wouldn't surprise him at all if Cam turns out to be um, the real deal. Don't bet against Cam, but you know for the Redskins it was about Dwayne Haskins, and uh, and that's the direction they're going. I mean it's 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 pretty clear that that you know it's Dwayne Haskins, and if Haskins fails, they've got a guy that's run the offense before and a guy that played pretty well at times. The thing that I like about the Redskins strategy with not going with a veteran quarterback is it's an admission that they're not close and that they are building for the future and that they're looking at 2021, 2022 with you know the new culture hopefully in place and the new and the young players familiar now with a new system and um but you know I believe in Haskins but the Redskins had an opportunity this year this would have been the year if Bruce Allen were still here and let's just say they didn't have Haskins where he would have said we're going to go sign Philip Rivers, or we're going to go uh, sign Teddy Bridgewater, or we're going to try to get into the Brady market, which of course would have been, uh, you know, 
uh, it would not have worked out. Uh, Brady would have had zero interest in playing here. But um, it was it's it's an interest. It was an interesting quarterback off season. And I don't know who the winner will be, but I think it's going to be your favorite team. I think the Buccaneers, if they're completely healthy, will be will be great. But uh, by the way, one last thing, because um, it ties back to the NFL and betting. So I was talking to a really close friend of mine who, um, this is in the last week, I haven't mentioned this story, uh, that he's a big time better and, and has been, you know, for a long time, his sharp opinion, the whole nine yards. And he said, this is going to be the strangest, weirdest, if it happens, NFL season ever. And it might offer up the best opportunities on futures bets. And I said, oh yeah, you know, what, what are you going to bet all overs or all unders? And he said he's already put a ton of money on the five to seven long shots on the board to win the Super Bowl, to win NFC or AFC championship, to win those divisions. And he said, you're going to have a lot of these long shot teams. It's going to be about who stays the healthiest and who has the most players, frontline players, on their roster for the longest period of time. And we do know that about the NFL. The healthiest teams end up being very often the most successful teams over a 16-game regular season. And this year, more than any other, you really have no idea how that will shake out because you could have uh, you know, a bottom-of-the-barrel team, take the Redskins in terms of the odds, or Jacksonville. Uh, and they have super long odds to win the division or win the, the NFC or AFC championship game or win the Super Bowl, and they could lose nobody to COVID-19, and every team in their division could lose a bunch of players. Um, it's it's an interesting way to look at it. I think week in and week out, we're going to have, you know, Sunday mornings, if, if they play, we're going to wake up to all of the news about all the players that are out. And, you know, there's a uh, – the HIPAA laws, at least uh, Adam Silver mentioned this yesterday. Um, actually, it was baseball that talked about it, that uh, they will not be able to specifically identify by name the players who are out because of COVID-19, because of HIPAA. So I would imagine right. that that would be the case in all these sports. But if you wake up on a Sunday morning and you find that, uh, you know, five players who were healthy all week just got scratched, well, you're going to know that it was because they just tested positive. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, it's one of those things where you're going to know even if they don't make it official, unless someone just gets hung over and can't actually play. But, uh, Imagine the middling opportunities, you know, to bet. It, oh, yeah. But, but you, can't, you can't predict that. I mean, um, you, you can't predict it, but I do. I, I like the idea of just betting for some of the long shots. I did that, in, you know, especially for baseball with, you know, the shortened season and the ridiculousness of it. I, I think that you can get anyone in like the 30 to 40. You, you don't necessarily want to bet on the truly terrible, not betting on the Orioles or the Marlins, but teams like the Reds at 30 to 1. I put down a bet on that just because this is going to be a crazy, crazy season between the fact that it's going to be all about who's healthy and the fact that it's only 60 games. And, you know, as we've seen in baseball, 60 games is not a reflection of an entire season. That betting on long shots is going to be a, probably a safe thing. In almost all sports, including, by the way, if you want to bet on the Wizards to make the playoffs right now with all of these Nets players saying, uh, yeah, with I don't Br- Brooklyn, they're... right, yeah. Yeah, like, that might not be a bet, bad bet right now, and you can get it really high at some books. The problem is they're like six games behind Brooklyn. <laughs> They've yeah, got, but they, it's like they, half they, the team ends up sitting out. Yeah, but the Wizards still have to win games to get within four of them. It's true. 
it's and it's why it's a long shot. But I just think you know, for example, I saw it on one of my books at uh, twenty to one that the Wizards get the eighth seed yesterday. I think it's actually gone a little bit down. You're telling me that there's a ten percent chance that the Wizards make it now instead of a five percent chance? I think there's value there. I'm looking at updated NFL um, division and NFC Championship and Super Bowl odds. It's really interesting. The Giants keep moving up the board. Like, there is a lot of momentum um, on the Giants this year. I think a lot of people like their roster and believe in Daniel Jones. Like, in the division, the the Cowboys and the Eagles are are basically co-favorites to win the NFC East. The Giants are 10-1 to on my site, and the Redskins are 25-1. to Like, there's a huge disparity among the odds makers as they evaluate the Redskins versus the Giants. And I think in a lot of the fans' minds, um, the Redskins look better to them than the Giants do, but not to, not, not to handicappers. The Giants yeah. look like a much better uh, outfit right now with a chance to make a much bigger impact. I mean, the Redskins currently on one of my sites as I sit here and look are still the last – uh, they're, they're, they're the longest shot to win the NFC championship. Um, in fact, by a long shot, they're, they're like at a hundred to one Carolina's at 75 to one. Um, and super, Bowl... I, just, I just pulled up a site that, that breaks it down for every team you can, uh, bet on what position they'll, they'll finish minus one forty five to finish fourth. In the NFC. Yeah, that's that's called the 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 prohibitive favorite to finish dead last in the division. Um, yeah, but you know, you, you, this is that that's probably the opportunity too is to to bet some of the long shots in these divisions. Maybe bet every single you know long shot in all eight divisions, uh, knowing that you know you probably only need two of them to, to you need to well you may only need. Depending on the odds, you probably need two well, of them I was say, the to Red, break it's even. The Redskins fourteen to one to win the NFC, so yeah. if the Redskins got it. You'd be covered. Well, I got twenty five to one right here. I got the Giants okay. at ten to one. Okay. Um, <laughs> so uh, yeah. All right. What else? I actually I read an interesting article yesterday that uh, you might be interested because in, it involves Dwayne Haskins. It was about this guy. Uh, it was in the Athletic. It was this guy Seth Mikowski, who's this mental and chess coach who apparently has been working with a bunch of NFL quarterbacks, including Dwayne Haskins and Deshaun Watson, to improve the mental side of their game. Man, he's been working with a lot of different people. Like, he's worked with Quincy Avery. He's worked with that mm-hmm. other guy um, uh, whose name escapes me. He was a college quarterback for a while. Um, I, I'll, I'll, I'll look at it. I, I He's he's doing a lot. I mean, yeah, doesn't mean anything. Also on Panda Express. <laughs> What'd you say? The the guy Seth Mikowski, he owns the restaurant group that owns Panda Express. Oh, really? He's just going. He's doing a ton of things apparently. So he's a quarterback mentor, and he is into. He's, fa- a, he's a fast casual he's restaurant a, investor. Exactly, uh, but yeah, it's not specifically that he's a quarterback coach. He's, he's a mental coach. But because oh, here it is. I just found. I, I just. Yeah. I just found it. You know who wrote the story? Who? Bruce Feldman. Oh yeah, yeah. I I I didn't realize that Bruce was with the Athletic. Yeah. Bruce Feldman is one of my favorite college football analysts. I've had him on the podcast many times, on the radio show many times. 
He's been with everybody over the years, lots of different people. He's got this incredibly dry delivery that I love, um, but he's really sharp. He's written some really good college football books. He wrote the story, so I'll read it. Uh, it's a story that came out yesterday. I didn't see it. Yeah, and what, one of the things talked about how Dwayne Haskins has a chess app on his phone right now to try to keep, you know, like he'll, when he just has downtime, he will pull up this chess app to try to keep, uh, you know, mentally sharp. You know, that's one thing, and I don't think I've mentioned it to Tommy. That's one thing I've been doing a lot during the pandemic. My son Corbin, you know Corbin. Corbin and I have been playing a lot of chess. Like the board's just set up, and, you know, once every three, four, five days, he'll be, you want to play? And I'm like, yeah, let's do it. And so, you know. Um, neither one of us would, would be, would be considered to be a chess master. Um, but, uh, oh, I don't even know if we can say that anymore. Uh, we may have to come up with a, a new, new way to describe somebody who's expert in chess, but, uh, I loved chess as a young person and then didn't play for m- much of my adult life, but I'm sort of back into it. Um, it, it's 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 a better time it's it's a better way to waste time than some of the other yeah things you could do all right well i'm glad you're well i hope your wife tests negative uh and if she doesn't let me know and you should go get the test uh anyway oh yeah if she tests positive i'll be uh going to get the test pretty much immediately all right well i hope she feels better yeah all right uh i'll talk to you a little bit later or tomorrow sounds good All right, we're done for the day. Good to catch up with Aaron. So many of you have been asking how Aaron's doing, and you want to hear Aaron back on the show. Well, we just did an hour together, um, which was great. And hopefully soon he'll be back here in studio with me uh, every day. All right, uh, we are done. Uh, Tommy and I tomorrow, and then just giving everybody a heads up, I am on vacation starting on Friday There's a chance I might do a show Friday, especially if there's big news, but I am gone next week. Um, If there's a big breaking news story uh, or sports story, you know, I'll have the ability to do a podcast, uh, but more likely than not, I think it's going to be a continuation of not much in the way of big sports news. Uh, Don't forget, you can listen to me on the Team 980 and on the Team 980 app, theteam980.com. Cooley was on with me today for an hour and a half. Cooley weighed in on Robert Griffin III, you know, uh, claiming, uh, making that statement to John Keim about Santana Moss and Cooley betraying him. Uh, Cooley had great stories about Joe Bugle and playing for Joe Bugle. So that's available on the Team980.com and the Team 980, Team 980 app. Um, he was on with me this morning for an hour and a half. We had a great time catching up um, and talking about a lot of different things. All right, have a great day, everybody. Uh, Tommy and I will be back together tomorrow.